0: Courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East.
1: Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningStarBooksAndGifts.com. That's MorningStarBooksAndGifts.com. Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720. Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois.
0: Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, here with Katie Goulis. Katie, there's some interesting developments happening at the Byzantine Catholic Seminary, isn't there? Many people that listen to our program oftentimes want to know where they can get more information, where they can learn more about the Eastern churches. Well, there is an opportunity that has just come up now. It's a new one, and Katie's going to tell us about it.
2: That's right, Father Tom. And you know, it's just a click away now. Eastern Christian Studies have gone online. The Byzantine Catholic Seminary of Saints Cyril and Methodius has inaugurated its first online classes, an introduction to scripture, and this began on October 15th. This is the first course for the Certificate of Eastern Christian Studies. The online certificate program is designed to provide students with a broad general grounding in the religious, historical, and cultural traditions of Eastern Christianity. Curriculum includes eight online courses focusing on liturgy, dogma, history, and scripture. Special attention is Paid to the unique study of Eastern and specifically Byzantine Christianity and their place in Western multicultural and multi religious contexts. The online certificate is delivered through a partnership with the Learning House Incorporated, a total online education solutions partner that provides all the necessary tools to create a high-quality, convenient, and valuable learning experience for online classes. So, Father Tom, this current session has already started, but I'm sure that they're going to be offering more classes in the future, so our listeners can find more information about that on the Byzantine Catholic Seminary's website, which is online.org bizcathsem, that's all one word, it's b-y-z-c-a-t-h-s-e-m dot e-d-u.
0: And that is an online course, right, yep, for cert- certification in mm-hmm, Eastern Christian mm-hmm. Studies. Also, if you want to visit our seminary, it's called St. Cyril and Methodius Byzantine Catholic Seminary. It's in the north side of Pittsburgh, really scenic area. And it's a seminary that's been around for a number of years. They've done a whole lot of improvements and developments in it over the years. And it might be worth visiting, seeing some of the young men there and some of the, the, you know, the professors and visit the rector, say hello, stop in and a beautiful little chapel there, and just uh, maybe experience some prayer and liturgy with the seminarian. So as always, the best way to learn about the Eastern churches is to experience them. We're very experiential, really. It's something you can read about, study about, but to experience them, especially their prayer and their liturgy, and doing it at a seminary or a monastery or even a local parish, of course, is a very good idea. Very good way to understand, come to understand these Eastern churches, the eastern lung of the church, as John Paul II called them. Now, as Eastern Catholics, we, of course, have a patrimony in the eastern lung of the church, Eastern Christianity, but these churches, of course, find themselves here in America. And like all other Catholics, Eastern Catholics also have the duty, when it comes time to something that's coming up, to vote with the conscience of Catholics, whether East or West. Obviously, we do not tell you, the church does not tell you who to vote for. It simply gives some guidelines for conscience. And Katie, there's several things that are called non-negotiable issues when you go to the polls as a Catholic. Again, it has to do not with a particular candidate or a party, but just with certain issues. Now, there are certain ones that are non-negotiable. Others are more negotiable, but these are the five.
2: These non-negotiable issues are from the Voter's Guide for Serious Catholics, and it's put out by Catholic Answers. So these issues are, number one, abortion. The church teaches that regarding a law permitting abortions, it is never licit to obey it or to take part in propaganda campaign in favor of such a law or to vote for it. The unborn child is always an innocent party, and no law may permit the taking of his life. The second issue is euthanasia. Often disguised by the name mercy killings, euthanasia is also a form of homicide. In euthanasia, the ill or elderly are killed by action or omission out of a misplaced sense of compassion. Number three is embryonic stem cell research. Human embryos are human beings. Respect for the dignity of the human being excludes all experimental manipulation or exploitation of the human embryo. Number four is human cloning. Attempts for obtaining a human being without any connection with sexuality through twin fission cloning or parthogenesis are to be considered contrary to the moral law since they are in opposition to the dignity of both human procreation and of the conjugal union. And number five is homosexual marriage. True marriage is the union of one man and one woman. Legal recognition of any other union as marriage undermines true marriage, and legal recognition of homosexual unions actually does homosexual persons a disfavor by encouraging them to persist in what is an objectively immoral arrangement.
0: So when we go to the polls to be responsible Catholic Christian voters, whether East or West, We do so with a certain priority of issues, but these are not the only issues obviously that we consider when we go to the polls, but they're the ones that we call non-negotiable. In other words, we try to choose a candidate who we come to know is pretty on target in these five non-negotiable areas. And if the candidate is not in a particular area, well, then we do the best we can. We go to whatever is the best of the candidates available. So it's just a few guidelines on how to vote with a catholic conscience whether east or west because it does make a difference we are called to make a difference in this world whether east or west we are called to bring right reasoning it's what pope benedict the 16th says and especially in his very first encyclical deus caritas he said that the role of the church or the response of the church in relation to government is not to tell government what to do to tell voters how to vote the church rather informs government in terms of what we call right reasoning. In other words, we help government to form right and just laws with the right kind of reasoning based on the dignity of the human person and higher values, transcendent realities that the church alone can articulate best. This is what we do. We communicate and try to, in a sense, provide discernment data, as it were, to our government, our civil authorities. We don't make the decisions for them, We don't second guess them afterwards. But before that, we try to inform them as to what is right reasoning. And this is what the church does, East and West. So our role is very, very vital. To take a Catholic conscience into the polls is good for the country because we are, in a sense, the conscience of the world. Because we have been given the deposit of revelation, we've been given the truth, we've been given that which informs proper reasoning and therefore proper government. So consider that. Go into the polls prayerfully, having discerned and studied and having gone in with a Catholic attitude, a Catholic sacramental view, because this is what's good for the whole church and the world. Both of them are kind of interdependent. What affects the world affects the church and vice versa. So we want to inform the world of what right reasoning is, and that is our vocation. Embrace it. Don't be afraid of it. Speaking of the Pope, he spoke to Eastern Catholics recently, and what he did was he spoke to a group of Eastern Catholic canon lawyers, and this was on an anniversary. It is actually the 20th anniversary of the promulgation of the new code of Eastern canon law for the Eastern churches. That's right. The Eastern churches have their own code of canon law, and from the source called Zenit, zenit zenit.org, which has lots of sources for papal pronouncements and talks and presentations and so on, Benedict XVI said to the Eastern Catholic churches that they should conserve their identity, patrimony, and traditions. And again, this you go to zenit.org, that's Z-E-N-I-T.org, and get this information. The Pope stated this in an audience with participants in a congress marking the 20th anniversary of the promulgation of the Code of Canons of Eastern churches. The Congress was organized by the Congregation for Eastern Churches. Now, what that is, it's sort of like the Pope's governing arm, as it were, the governing arm of the Vatican for all the Eastern Catholic churches, all those churches united in communion, full communion with the Pope of Rome. And there's an office there on the Villa Conciliazione, leading up to St. Peter's Square. There's an office there of the Oriental Congregation, also called Congregation for Eastern Churches. Okay, so that organization was involved in this, and also the Pontifical Council for Promoting Christian Unity, the Pontifical Oriental Institute, and that's another interesting place, the Pontifical Oriental Institute is a place of higher learning for theology, Eastern theology and spirituality. It's located near Santa Maria Maggiore, one of the great, great cathedrals of Rome. And it's next to the church called the Rusicum which was a church that was developed by Jesuits to train missionaries during the time of communism to go into Russia and to try to evangelize there. These were Russian or Byzantine Catholic Jesuits. And we also had, as part of the organizers for this Congress on the Eastern Churches in canon law, the Pontifical Council for Legislative Texts. Well, that seems to be clear enough at a conference for canon lawyers. When we return, we're going to talk more about what the Pope had to say to the Eastern Churches, which is very timely and urgent. So please stay with us. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer with Katie Gulis here on Light
1: of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East on Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again for the first time. Watch out! He is
0: showing us His flesh. I am Father Thomas J. Loy with the Theology of Body Moment for Tabor Life Institute. God has taken on our flesh, and during the Feast of the Epiphany, God shows His flesh to the world. In the western lung of the church, God is showing this to the wise men. The eastern lung, having just celebrated the circumcision of Christ's flesh, now speaks of Christ's naked flesh during His baptism in the Jordan River. In the East, Epiphany is also called Theophany. So why all this flesh? Because the flesh of Jesus Christ reveals His divinity and the truth about being human. This is the theology of the body. Christ's birth, Epiphany, and baptism in the flesh has renewed all creation. And if this is real to us, how do we now see all of creation, especially human body persons? To find out more about the theology of the body, visit taborlife.org. Taborlife.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Lawyer on Light of the East. No.
1: listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling
0: Welcome back to Light of the East. We're talking about a presentation that Pope Benedict XVI made to the Eastern Catholic Churches, actually in particular to the Eastern Catholic canon lawyers. It was on the anniversary of the promulgation of the Code of Canons of Eastern Churches. See, what happened was there was this big effort to kind of research, reach back into the ancient codes of the Eastern Churches, the Eastern canonical codes. In other words, those things which sort of are the legislative Principles of the church. In other words, it's how the church runs, and kind of since it's laws, its rules, as it were, if you want to use that term. And what happened in the in the church was that the Eastern churches went back. This was under the guidance of John Paul II during his pontificate, and they went back and they researched the origins and sources of their canons, of their canon law that was appropriate to the Eastern churches. And they eventually, they put together all this research, and they came out twenty years ago with a new code of canon law. It's called the Code of Canons of the Eastern Churches and it's in Latin and also in English. You can get that edition from the Canon Law Society of America. And what it does is it actually presents those codes which are somewhat similar to the Canon Law of the Latin Rite Church. Many times people ask, are you, do you in the Eastern Church have different laws or different codes, as it were? Well, we do. But most of them are not so vastly different as in the Western churches, or the Latin rite, but there are some differences. Like, for instance, in our code of canon law, the right of the child, in other words, if you have a family where there is a parent, one parent is Latin rite, one parent is Eastern rite, the right of the whole family is determined in Eastern canon law by the right of the father. Regardless of where you're baptized, either in a Latin rite church or a Byzantine rite church, the right of the father determines the right of the children. Now, after a certain age, of course, the children can change rights if they wish to, but otherwise it's the right of the father. Now, it's not the same case in the Latin Rite code of canon law. In a similar way, when it comes to marriages, marriages are supposed to be done in the Byzantine, the Eastern code of canon law, according to the right of the husband. So whenever there is a wedding in the bride's church, there has to be what's called a dispensation, which is a kind of a, dispensation from the canons, a canonical dispensation they call it. In other words, it's basically permission from the bishop and from his office of the tribunal they call that. You know, his canon lawyers. They give basically permission or dispensation to have that wedding in the right of the bride. Let's say for instance the groom is a Byzantine Catholic and the bride is a Latin Rite Catholic. Well, they want to get married in her church for whatever reason. it's okay as long as the Byzantine groom gets a dispensation for that wedding to happen, because in our code of canon law, the Right of the father prevails in the wedding. In other words, you go according to the church of the male, of the groom. So, it's little things like that. There's all kinds of other things as well. For instance, the differences in deacons, in the diaconate. In the Latin rite, there are perhaps more things that a deacon, quote-unquote, can do, as it were. But we don't always measure things in terms of just function. But for the sake of our discussion, like for instance, a deacon can witness a wedding in the Latin Rite canon law. In the Eastern Code of canon law, he can assist at the wedding ceremony, but it's the priest who has to witness it. You must have a priest present. Also, the deacon cannot baptize. He's not in his own, except in case of emergency. Any Christian can baptize in a case of emergency. But by and large, he assists at the baptism, and it is the priest who baptizes, and also the priest who chrismates. We also, have, of course, have in our canon kind of law, the allowance for married men to be ordained to the priesthood in the Latin rite that is not in their law. But remember, we have to say it correctly. In the Eastern churches, we do not have it where priests can get married. Rather, we have it where married men can become priests. That's how the law reads. Married men can become priests in the Byzantine or most of the Eastern churches. So there's a number of differences. And Pope Benedict XVI was outlining not only these differences, but what he was emphasizing was that the Eastern churches, in going back to discover their codes of canon law, and to kind of recodify them, put them together and apply them to modern times, was doing something very, very urgent. Something that he and previous popes like John Paul II call the Eastern churches to do. In fact, the documents of the Second Vatican Council also call the Eastern churches to this as well. And that is, very simply, to be true to who we are, to go back and research whatever may have been lost over time or under the influence of what's called Latinization. See, what happened when the Eastern churches reunited with Rome and Rome with them beginning in the 15th and 16th centuries, there was a kind of an unfortunate occurrence that happened because the Eastern churches wanted to be accepted by, at that time, much larger Roman Catholic church with the high-profile pope and so on, they began to, in a sense, discard or erode or sort of hide almost some of what was innately theirs, and then to take on that which was in the Latin rite, or to kind of give a Latin sort of spin, as it were, to some of their own Eastern traditions. And this was a struggle for acceptance is really what happened. The Eastern churches felt a bit inferior. They wanted to be accepted, and so they compromised. Well, history has shown that that was not a good thing. In fact, it's called Latinization. And successive popes and the documents of Vatican II and documents thereafter, such as the document from which we get the name of this radio show, Orient Havilumin, meaning Light of the East, those documents, the popes, the Vatican Council, have called the Eastern churches to rid themselves of Latinization, to rediscover whatever was lost, and to reinstate that, kind of dust it off and shine it up and let it shine for the good of the whole church. In other words, the Latin Rite Church wants the Eastern churches to be the best versions of themselves. They don't want them to lose anything of what they are, because that serves the whole church and vice versa. We in the Eastern Church look at the Latin Rite Church, our Latin Rite brothers in the Western lung of the church, and we say to them, please, be the fullness of what you are. Be faithful to your traditions. We love hearing the Mass in Latin. We love hearing Gregorian chant. We love the high, great, beautiful music written by magnificent composers like Mozart or Beethoven over the years. We love the best of the Latin Rite Church. And there are things that, of course, are very good even in modern times as well. But the call to both sides of the church to sort of call each other out to be the best that we can be because it serves both of us and it serves the whole church and therefore the world. And it's a stronger church that way too. It's a more unified and stronger church when both sides, east and west, are being absolutely true to who they are. Yeah, the Pope also says this. He said that the sacra canones, in other words, the sacred canons of the ancient church that inspire the Oriental codification in force stimulate all the Oriental churches to conserve their own identity, which is simultaneously Eastern and Catholic. Now, is that possible? Can we be Eastern and Catholic at the same time? Well, that's something that our Orthodox brethren watch with a lot of interest, (laughs) especially among us Eastern Catholics who have made that step of trying to be Eastern and Catholic. The answer is yes, as long as we don't define Catholicism one way. That we don't define it just as the Latin form or the Western form. Catholic in itself means universal. It means encompassing many, many ways to express, live the one same fundamental faith. We do so through the Eastern perspective, the Eastern Christian ethos, Eastern Christian spirituality and liturgy. But we do so in full communion with the Pope of Rome. So in that sense, we are Catholic. So we say it is it is possible. It may not have been done perfectly, but the imperfections were precisely what the Pope and the Vatican Council were calling the Eastern Churches to purify and to rid. Now, the Pope also says this, In preserving the Catholic communion, the Eastern Catholic Churches did not at all intend to deny their own tradition. As has been many times repeated, the Holy Father said, the full union of the Eastern Catholic Churches with the Church of Rome that is already realized must not lead to a diminution of the consciousness of the unique authenticity and originality of those churches. In other words, by the fact that we are in full communion with the Pope of Rome should not mean that we in any way are less than who we really, really are. And this is a message that basically he's sending not only to Eastern Catholics, but also to the whole church and outside the Catholic Church to the Orthodox churches. I believe he's trying to reassure them that this is what the Roman Catholic Church really wants. This is what it's calling us as Eastern Catholics to. And so it's a way of trying to perhaps convey to the Eastern Orthodox that it can be done, and that reunification ought to be a continual consideration, a continual striving between the two, between the two lungs of the Church. For this reason, the Pope continued, it is a task of all the Eastern Catholic Churches to conserve the common disciplinary patrimony and nourish their own traditions, which is a treasure for the whole Church. Benedict noted that the same Sacra Canones, Sacred Canons, of the first centuries of the Church constitute to a large extent the same basic patrimony of canonical discipline that also regulates the orthodox churches. You think he was sending another message again in that? (laughs) Yes, exactly. We went into the canons of the orthodox church as well, because that is, of course, they had the same roots as us, as Eastern Catholics, the same canonical roots. So we had to go in there as well to form the new code of canon law. Thus, the Eastern Catholic churches, the Pope said, can offer a peculiar and relevant contribution to the ecumenical journey. In the context of the Church's current effort for a new evangelization, the Pope affirmed, canon law is the peculiar and indispensable ordering of ecclesial fellowship will not fail to contribute to the life and the mission of the Church in the world if all the components of the people of God know how to interpret it wisely and apply it faithfully. So there is a difference in our codes of canon law. Not major differences, but differences nonetheless. And that is what makes up the great genius and diversity and beauty of the Catholic Church. I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya. I was here today
1: again with Katie Goulas on Light of the East. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East on Father Thomas Loya or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Or hear it again, hear it again, hear it again, hear it again. for the first time.
0: CatholicRadioInternational.com.